Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gaiti. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You will also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. In the second part of the conversation with Madan Ramanujam, I am actually exploring about how he looks at himself as an individual contributor, and he also talks about the customer-to-customer philosophy and creating a understanding of self as well as understanding of how the organization works, right from marketing to product development up to sales and customer desk madan also shares his uh, aspects about success factors of products vis-a-vis services and using your innate skills listen on companies and people invest on other people right uh, in the end of the day uh, you you bring a sense of loyalty and uh, share a sense of values with it uh, it's not easy but i guess uh, that's how the market is when there is a supply uh, you know the supply is more uh, demand is less than then it things twist in a different way but uh, talk but, but the point that you brought up is is very good point that you brought up right which is how do you get right minded people in fact support right mindedness right and and people understanding what to expect from a startup not not to expect from a startup and startup is like uh, people when when people sign up for working for a startup it's really not for today's salary by the way i have taken the stance even long ago and i used to i i have not a huge company versus a small startup this was in 2000 and i took the stance of those days i mean of course today it might not look like a big value but it was almost $1000 more in the other company in the, in the big company but i took a cut in my salary of $1000 per month $1000 per month was a big money that time because one i was very young and two at that time $1000 was indeed considered a big money in bay area okay? right. and and i took that salary cut just because i got more stocks even though i know one out of 10 companies is what is the success rate right i mean eventually it got acquired by uh, by nokia uh, this was a company called amber networks it got acquired by nokia and we got good evaluation and most of my friends bought bmw and houses in bay area while i wanted to move back to india so i bought house in indra but then keeping that aside but but so it is it is about the right mindedness what to expect from a startup it's like uh, leaving the small fish for the big fish that's something that people need to come with and it's it's slowly catching up in india uh, it used to be big time uh, uh, um, uh, popular in bay area in fact at one point in time i even faced a question uh, from a corporate company uh, you know what is the guarantee that you will join us because there are a lot of startups which are able to give you huge stocks this was a question from them so it it's the mindset yeah i i also think that uh, it it is evolving right even in fact you mentioned earlier uh, domain uh, is getting deeper and uh, it's what happens is more domain you get deeper uh, that it it directly translates to having more self 
a belief that you can succeed in by your own virtue. It's not just because the rest of the people, but your own virtue that you can make the startup succeed. And that's why I I think we are seeing so many unicorns in in the space right now in India at least. Yes, yes. Uh, but then uh, see, this is also true, right? Which is uh, the company philosophy, um, the company culture, the company beliefs. Those matching your personal beliefs also matters a lot. Uh, for example, here in in this company, Cima.ai, I see uh, a few of our culture values actually um, are matching my personal beliefs. One is celebrate failure. Right. So that's that's one of the cultural values that we have. And that's something that matches my personal belief itself. Like I say, this is why I call failure is not a stepping stone for success. Right. Failure is success by itself. But when does it become a success? It becomes a success if you learn something from the failure, because once you start extracting value out of something, then definitely there is something that is in existent today, which was not existent before your failure, which means there was some value add. And what metrics do you cover? Do you do you measure? Is what has differed here? But you did derive some value out of it because of which I believe failure is indeed success. There's something that insists on my people as well. I tell them uh, failure is success as long as you put in your efforts to learn the lesson. So be curious. That's uh, curiosity is the, is the, is the strength. Yeah, it all boils down to curiosity. Totally agree with you, Adil. So uh, you mentioned about uh, the part around uh, parking lot syndrome, people moving in, moving out, as well as, uh, you know, understanding, you know, what does a startup do and uh, understanding the value of tomorrow vis-a-vis what is coming in today. Um, I also see that closely related to, I mean, uh, we earlier, we used to be all in the services, right? Services is basically today's, whatever you deliver today, that's what you get. And then, um, or product where you spend time to the, for the future. Um, how do you, I know you've been in the product space uh, now, but how do you see yourself? I mean, uh, as far as product building is concerned, as well as creating um, a space to be a product influencer. Okay, by the way, I mean, I, I was, I have not been only in the product side i have been in the services side as well i have been even in the in the uh, in the services to the extent where i have actually put myself on the fray so in in both the cases i see it like this which is uh, you know you're always a, a one man army which means doesn't mean that everybody is against you but it's just that you're always one man army and you have to keep giving value add for you to be existent, right? And one. Secondly, you have to keep providing more than what you can. That's something that you have to keep improving in the value add. This is something that goes without saying, irrespective of whether in the service industry or in the in the product industry, right? And to train yourself, in, in my case, what I did was this, which is I always saw myself more as a service provider, be it services to people, people aspect, technical aspect, respect of that. So I groomed myself more in as a jack of all trades because I should be plug, plugging into many different things. So right from the beginning, I planned this and I, disc, I used to discuss my manager. In fact, I've done something. If you, if you look at my expertise building, I have been through the breadth of everything. I call myself a customer to customer, right? The reason is because customer from the marketing side to customer in the sales side. 
in between is where the product development is right product or services doesn't have services also provide products right so uh, in between is the uh, is the product building and i have been in both the parts meaning i have been into the product management working with product engineers and doing feasibility analysis uh, margin analysis uh, what will be your cost margin what will be your profit margin all of those whether to launch a product or not even if you launch a launch a product what features to be in what what features not adding value all of those things right i've been on that which is the marketing side of it once we decide on what we need to do i've been on to the development end to end and then i've been in the productization side as well and then like i said i also got one opportunity to sit on the sales desk talking to customers as well so uh, this is more of a from customer to customer from product side to the sales side marketing side to sales side so uh, all of these i learned because i put myself in the fray where i i have i have always been excited where it is this is like the analogy that i usually give is uh, you know none of us want to eat only lemon rice every day right we want varieties and that's precisely what i wanted in work as well so i wanted varieties and i took up anything that came along the way and i i trained myself to it that's precisely what i did and this is what made me the jack of all trades perfect so uh, in terms of you know being very intentional about what you want to learn and uh, learning also puts you have to put yourself in the path of failure i think that uh, why you often say uh, things that you have never uh, tried you're you're bound to fail i mean uh, it's a given just that it's uh, some somewhat an anti antithesis and people don't realize that uh, very nice madan can you share some stories where you put yourself out there to learn a skill or uh, or do something which is outside your comfort zone that you had an aha moment on okay so uh, for this i can actually probably give one thing specific i give a brief on what that is also um so i have been in the design side all along and in uh, in uh, 2000 13 uh, yeah 2013 towards the december uh, i was in the individual consulting mode and there was somebody who approached me and that was into what we call verification that was not into design right and when 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 that person called me this in india there is no um, hr consultants in all that that was existing those days for individual consultants for employees yes uh, you know head hunters and 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 people recruiters and all of those people help right but then in this this is only word of mouth right and this is through people whom you know they spread the word and then you get contacts and you get co- contracts out of it right and so this person called me and he told me mathan there is there is something that i have which is into verification would you like to take it and that needs to be done signed off in 3 weeks okay this was in december of 2013 and and at that time i said yes i would like to take it this was completely into a different domain by the way verification is not something that's my core skill set uh, even though i had done some verification in 2001 i expressed my interest and i trained myself now when he called me i said i will take it up and he said madan there is this is what you need to remember which is if let's say the the, the project or the deadline is already gone past which means if at all you succeed nobody is going to appreciate you right and if you fail you are going to be the one holding the empty bag at the end of the relay race which means you will be blamed for everything right so uh, do do you still want to bet for it and i did take it up and i finished it in 3 weeks and that was a hands on as well by the way because even before that i mean in 
from 2007 onwards, I started taking up team responsibilities, right? Even though I was hands-on, but I was not hands-on to the extent that I would be able. But still in 2013, I took up something which is not my domain. And that was hands-on role. And that was already a project which already slipped the deadline, which means this is this is so, so vigorous. And I did that. And eventually that resulted in a six months extension of my contract for the next project. So this is something that I love. And this is one instance. There was another instance where, where I have also taken up because we are talking about the verification side. I, I come from the design. I wanted to do verification. This was in 2001. And I expressed my interest uh, to my manager at that point in time. This was in US. I was working for Nokia. And I expressed my interest and he said, okay, now there is an opportunity. Would you like to take it up? And this is a, a design which is not converging at all. When they fix something, something else failed. When they fix this, something else failed, right? This is not converging at all. And now would you like to take it up? But then you have only two weeks. You're not a verification expert and you take whatever language that you're comfortable with, but then you have to make the design conversion. This is not as a designer, but as a verification person, right? And I took it up and that night when I came back home, unfortunately, my wife fell sick and she, she had to be taken to the emergency unit, urgent care in US. And, and the whole two weeks I had to be at home because at that time it was only me and my wife. And we are abroad elsewhere and we have friends, of course, but then everybody has their own things to do. So I had to completely work from home as well. It's a completely new experiment for me. I put myself into the fray and I had to. So those two weeks, I was actually doing what my wife needed in the mornings and I used to work in the nights. And finally, it, it, it converged in two weeks and I was so happy. And eventually, in about three months, my boss gave me a complete chip verification. Uh, and that was for, that was going to be from the scratch development and new language verification, language learning, and if, everything. That was for like six months. So I got. It. But anyway, I mean that that was the only six months that I did verification before I pitched this in 2013. Uh, I mean this is more of uh, the the psychological safety that I call it. I mean nobody will provide us. We have to develop it ourselves. We should be able to take that risk and learn from it, move on. And but then what I also uh, realized is. This is something if I provide to my people, they can be much more innovative than they are because uh, it's the fear of failure that actually stalls their uh, their innovation is my feel. And so I groom this in my people, especially the people who are typically what I've noticed in my industry is about eight to 15 years experience. They are the ones who needs to be groomed for it. Why? Because uh, people who are they're still kids. They are actually, uh, they, they don't take things seriously. It's okay even if they fail, if they, if they don't fail. They might not even understand the big picture. And people who are more than 15 years experience, they usually are mature enough to take failure in its stride. But then the people who are this 8 to 15 years, I've noticed that they take things to heart. So those are the people whom I groom. And the first thing that I do, because I have played strategic roles where I need to go try 10 different things and only one might pass, 10 might, 9 might fail. But that one success should give us enough into to go after new 10. It's not the nine failures that should doom us down, right? And that's precisely where I used to groom my people, especially say 8 to 15 years experience folks. I have to keep on coaching them about, I have to keep make them ready for a failure. In fact, I used to coach them more for failure than for success. The reason is because they were high potential people. They know how to groom themselves for success, by the way, especially in this connected world. Everything is in internet. They can read things, they can go through things, and they can succeed. But what they need to be groomed is 
groom for failure. And that's something that I used to do meticulously with these kind of folks. So, uh, I mean, my learning the hard way, which I did not get from my environment, I wanted to offer to my folks. That is very cool, Madan. In terms of saying, sometimes I feel psychological safety is within. If I am feeling safe, right, I can create an environment which is more safe. But at the same time, um, uh, if as a manager, if I can do it better, uh, I have heard this saying that uh, a company um, is a long shadow of the CEO. And that is true for uh, the manager also, a leader also. If you are able to, uh, you know, create that environment of, uh, you know, safe environment, then innovation thrives automatically rather than uh, saying, okay, being saying, okay, I, I create nice, uh, great posters. And that's not how it works, right? Uh, and I really love that story of, you know, experimenting and, you know, sometimes, and it also gives you a lot of strength that I have tried this before and I have succeeded it. It sort of gives that positive yeah. bias towards you. It's not only about uh, psychological safety. I also go to the extent of celebrating, celebrating the failure. I have made sure that my folks got rewarded for, for what they failed in. And that is by announcing what we learned out of it. Because I, I show the positive story of what we learned out of the exercise rather than the negative story of what failed in it. So uh, th this is in huge forums. I've actually recognized my folks. That helped a lot. Very nice. I actually wanted to uh, ask you, uh, you mentioned about being a consultant for some time. And uh, so I have, have I been consultant in different parts of my career. Um, how do you consider yourself being a consultant or being an employee? Or is it the same? Um, as far as uh, how do you see yourself? You're a one-man army no matter what. This was what my learning was. And and as you grow up the career ladder, um, you know, I usually say this, even if you've succeeded, the moment you're in the limelight, you're also in spotlight, right? And uh, so, which means you have to be cautious of your environment. I'm not saying that everybody is there to catch you, but then definitely you're a single-man army defending yourself and helping others. This is precisely what uh, what it takes. So there is uh, not much of difference because you have to keep adding value uh, for you to be existent. And uh, you should also keep adding more and more value for you to grow. And this irrespective of whether you're an individual consistent consultant all on your own or an employee of a company. There, there is no such word called manager and subordinates anymore. You would have noticed that in the later industry, right? It is always only leader versus follower which means the leader makes themselves visible by influencing their thoughts on others, right? by convincing others. And, and so the leader could be at the bottom of the reporting hierarchy chain, while, while the follower could be at the top of the hierarchy chain as well. And good thing is people are actually recognizing this. They want to give that value, right? Uh, many things, even today, I have heard big time, the big brains, the big CEOs saying that, Give it to an uh, youngster. Youngsters typically are full of energy. All we need is to direct their energy into what we want to add value, right? But then they do a much more comprehensive work. I can give you an example of, I learned any of these gadgets, even these social media platforms and all that from my daughters. And the reason is because they do much more research and they are much more engineers tweaking things, breaking things and putting them together than me. And it is that energy that that brings in. So, so 
to me uh, it's it's all about learning mutual learning both sides so it's the follower and I, the, there is also this big topic about situational leadership the situational leadership talks about precisely this just you cannot use the one size fit all solution for everybody that is in your team right when i say team by the way i mean i don't mean only the people reporting to you because you have to manage 360 degrees no matter what this comes to my original saying of there is no difference whether you are an individual consultant or are you part of an organization right so the team has to actually have the synergy to to complement each other's strengths and so team has to feel comfortable looking stupid in front of each other that's something that's the first thing that you require right and that's that's something that i that i i insist on uh, when i started this thing called um, learning series uh, right this is about learning learning for what not only for the people who are listening to what is being presented but also for the presenter because the presenter becomes more thorough when he presents something to the uh, to the team point was think of it like like there are three, 30 people in the whole team now if you if you were if you were blessed with one brain versus if you are blessed with 30 brains look at the num- amount of scrutiny that you could do look at the amount of due diligence that you could do which means leverage the team and use this as a you are blessed with 30 30 brains for yourself so l- look for opportunities look like a hero outside the 30 not within the 30 right so that's something that i insist so uh, and and this is one part right which is when when we talked about the team we talked about what was that we were talking about the situation leadership right so in that when we talk about the team it's not one size fit all for everybody in the team but it is not a one size fit all for the same person also 5 years before and 5 years later that's something that we should also realize time also keeps changing as and as with time you also keep changing i also like the fact that stop showboarding within the team you can as a team you can showboard but don't within the team if you are doing that then the point is lost right uh, uh, i use this uh, jigsaw puzzle co- uh, analogy for this to explain this to people and this when the well, jigsaw puzzle like you know it has the crests and troughs of each of the pieces right now i i ask this question to people whether let's say you you have a jigsaw puzzle which is all perfect squares or perfect rectangles and uh, there is a picture that evolves out of after you coin them all now uh, this is this is on one side and then the other side you have this crests and troughs in each of these pieces which locks them in right now you have a picture on the right side which is with the crescent truss left side which is with perfect squares and rectangles you have coined the picture now now with a little shake which one will be more stable right the one with the crescent truss now my analogy so the strengths and what we call opportunities let me use the term weakness of each and every pieces in it the crush or the strengths and the troughs or the weakness let's say the weakness is also essential part for bring the bonding within the team as long as we are there it, it it's not about competing with each other it's about complementing each other's gaps and when i say the pieces of the puzzle i include peers i include managers i include parts of the team and i include even every team you know one of our customers i was presenting this stating that you know <clears throat> we did our first ship and it came out as a first pass success and here are the things that you guys contributed to i wanted all of us to cheer for it together this was one of the vendor team right the i was presenting this to them at the same time i also showed them that here are certain feedbacks that i have and and teams that, that both 
strengths weakness both are important aspects and teams recognize that they those are those are there to bring the bonding and successful teams bond together use that as an opportunity to bond with each other to complement each other's gaps or each other's weaknesses with the other strengths right this is this is precisely what i use for telling people that weakness is not bad there is nothing wrong to be wrong right and you should feel comfortable with the team to to bring about a big value that's what i say yeah i love it uh, the toughs and the uh, you know peaks right in terms of uh, you know as long as you learn from each other i think that's what you mentioned earlier right creating that safe environment if you have a safe environment telling it as it is is the right thing to do right i think the culture uh, um, eat strategy for breakfast i think peter tucker said i think that's exactly what you're saying wala <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so, so i know we are we have been talking for some time now i know between hardware and embedded software or so- hardware and software um, it's more uh, in india um, in our context it's more spoken about in the software sense be the uh, amazons and flipkarts of the world or um, the zomatos or any of these companies are or google for that matter it's more talked about in india while uh, in hardware companies is what is actually powering right from our own mobile phones to everything that is what is powering it and you know you also need to create lot more fail safe methodology because you can't upgrade the software instantaneously it's a uh, hardware doesn't work like that yeah. right so how uh you know from a uh, from you being in the industry how has that impacted you or has that not impacted you at all or do you i mean i want to understand that uh, part of your uh, you know okay emotions. by the way there is one correction that i would like to make um, hardware uh, powering software by the way it's mutual uh, software powers the hardware as well um, and the hardware is supposed to give the backbone for the software to work right this is this is how uh, the system is uh, and even here i can give you examples of uh, design where i have i have gone one way and i've gone the reverse also example um what does implementing something in software mean versus what is implementing something in hardware mean right and hardware if let's say just just think of it like a like a multiplier operation a basic operation right now how many instructions software that will constitute itself into multiple instructions right which means there are multiple clocks that it takes for it to Uh, you know go to the uh, uh, mac the multiplier accumulator unit and then gives back the results so the multiple iterations that which means if you implement a logic in the software it means there is little extra latency that will come right to speed it up you will want to implement in hardware correct but at the same time the reverse is also true right which is when when you if, so it's it's about scalability versus it's about or portability you could you could call it right uh, uh versus versus speed that's precisely what it is and the requirement could be that at one point in time you will want the portability to be your requirement and at another point in time you will want the speed to be your requirement if you want the speed to be your requirement you implement the same thing in hardware and if you want portability you implement in software so it's about it's a trade off between these two and and both are necessary and it just depends on what is your situation at that point in time so uh, uh what i'm trying to say is hardware empowers software and software empowers hardware hardware is nothing without software also uh, 
even in our current scenario, we are building something so generic. Uh, a generic platform is what we're building. But over with applications, the tremendous application which is going to touch people's lives, they're all in software. They use the underlying backbone hardware, but they're all implemented in software. So it's both. So uh, it's it, it's not like one is better than the other. No, no. Um, my question was more around uh, how do you relate yourself as a person? To which community do you relate? Uh, because uh, uh, that is how I was asking. I was not saying which is better, but I'm saying is um, you as a person, right? Do you relate to both the communities or how does that work? Uh, well, I do relate to both the communities, but, but unfortunately, my knowledge is limited to only embedded software, even if I say so, uh, not into the application software much, uh, because this is what I live day to day. Right? And and embedded systems includes both hardware and software playing an equal role. So I, I, I see myself as a systems person on one side, but on the other uh, to me, when it comes to uh, which one would you would I prefer to take on? Actually, I I I will be open to anything that comes along. Uh, I I can give you examples of I used to have um, a, a team which was called Logic Team, Logic Design Team, which was into hardware design. But at the same time, I was also given a team which was actually into C modeling. And I mean, I'm not a C expert, but then the C modeling team also uh, was an opportunity, and I could bring about the difference. And how how did I bring about the difference? Be it hardware or software, in both the cases, to me, uh, you know, I don't know if you have seen this uh, uh, this model called Golden Circle Model by Simon Sinek. It talks about the inner core is why, how, and what, right? Now, how and what are more domain specific. Why is not, right? That gives me the right, which is I operate on the why part. And I operate on the why part. Why do we do something? I can give you an example of the C modeling team and it was assigned to me. Uh, the 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 goal of delivering C model, C model, like I said, it's a model. It's a model of what? It's a model of the hardware that we are building. We're in the process of building. And we wanted to represent to our end users. They could be system builders or they could be software developers who will want to know how our chip will behave. And the chip process takes years. But then at the same time, can we parallel the effort of software development while our chip is being built? And this is what is called left shifting in the industry, right? Which is you early enable your, your uh, system developers, software developers, and your customers with what you're going to give one year later by representing that in a model. And, and we use a C model, okay? Now, C model was seen more as a model to represent and for the left shifting but then but then i brought in this thought of why can't i see the c model as a machine readable document machine machine readable document right i can see it that way why because what i noticed was when we saw that our silicon our silicon product the customers actually keep filing uh, filing bugs on us and when I go through those bug reports, I notice that 47% of the bugs were basically in the understanding of our system, which means I could not represent my system, all permutation combinations of my system in English. But then I could actually do the same thing in C, right? And, and once we did that, trust me, the bug curve started tapering down. So it's about how you see it. So... What I'm trying to say is I might not understand C, but then I depend on my people 
and my people are also high potential people you know there was a manager who was reporting to me she had us eight people team and uh, working for her and she is very good and very good in the how and what part and what she is missing is the why part and that's basically where i feel in i usually tell this my people which is i i don't compete with my people by competing with my people is there an extra value add if let's say you and i are a team and you can do something and you're an expert in that now i learn the same skill and then i compete with you eventually at the, at the end of it both of us will be able to do only one act right but then if i complement your skill if you are focusing on how and what and if i am focusing on why then we can bring about a different value right it is two values versus one value and that's precisely why i usually tell that i don't compete with people i complement them and this also requires huge amount of trust right which is i know my people are too good or high potential and i also know that they will stand by me if i stammer in front of in front of a forum they will obviously come and rescue right so this is something that, that that's a basic trust that i have and the same thing goes back and forth right i mean i i i i shield and they shield me it's basically about uh, again it's coming back to the jigsaw puzzle where their strengths are how and what my strength is why so um, that 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 that's what makes the difference excellent very very well put uh, madan i love your loved your you know starting with uh, simon senek and making the whole thing uh you know connecting back to what works as a team it it also matters to know that you are part of a niche kind of a skill and that is a strength i mean sometimes uh, if you understand the where you are playing with um it could be you know understanding your area that will also give clarity to the rest of your group also saying hey if this is a problem i will i can go and i will get a solution I think that's very very cool matan i know we are we are, uh, we are we've been talking having such an interesting conversation i want uh, you to uh, as a last question i just wanted to ask um, any thoughts that you want to uh, leave uh, with professionals who are just joining or who are uh, joining the your space or who are thinking about joining the space um, any thoughts that you want to share with them uh, well i mean uh, uh... Uh, the the prime point that i made right which is about uh, the psychological safety which is um, which is they have to believe in themselves that there is nothing wrong to be wrong right and and all that takes is they need to be able to take risks with the with with the belief that they will learn they will get something out of it and so failure is also success in that sense that's something that they need to believe in and uh and uh, the prime thing that i would insist is is insist is being curious curiosity is the biggest strength the reason is because um you know if 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 i can give you an analogy um i take let's say a 5 year old um uh, you know on a walk uh, you would have noticed that they would bombard you with questions right and 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 they don't care what your judgment would be on them and they don't care that Uh, you know I, i i'm asking so much question i'm actually showcasing my stupidity no they don't they don't think about all of those purely the curiosity and that's the reason why the learning curve is too steep at that age and we retro learn our strengths by the way in in the name of getting matured we actually retro learn many things and one of those is this losing the curiosity and shy 
comes, I mean, th that takes over the curiosity and we actually stop asking questions. So curiosity is the biggest strength and that's the strength that youngsters come with and that's the reason for their steep learning and we should not retro learn it. Whether, I mean, irrespective of the age, we should be curious. That's my biggest message. Thank you so much, Madan. I really, really enjoyed your con our conversation today and uh, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Roy. So it was my pleasure, actually. This this gave me a platform uh, to talk about many things, and it took me back in ages, and it made me feel young. We thank Siddharth for the music and Anita for promoting the software people's stories. If you like this episode, Please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcasts at pm-powerconsulting.com.